2: Edition of BetQLU sponsored by and presented by BetQL. Get smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app on the Apple App Store and Google Play. My co-host, my main man on the show, Thomas Casali at the Tom Casali on Twitter. That's where you could find Tom. You can follow me on Twitter at Eli Herskovich. You can follow BetQL on Twitter at Beck QL app. How are we doing today on a Tuesday, Tom? Doing good. Looking forward to the week. We got a big show planned too not only a big slate of games like Tom's Pump Four but a big show breaking down the Wednesday Thursday and Friday college basketball card and we'll be joined by one of the best college basketball analysts around Jordan Sperber Tom let's get into the Wednesday card here as we we're not going to spend too much time on what happened this past week because we had some tech issues that knocked out our first edition of the podcast that I know you my friend are a little frustrated by right I do not like tech issues no. <laughs> I could hear it in your short answer there, too. All right, let's get into the Wednesday card here. Breaking down uh, tomorrow, February 24th, college basketball games. Alabama at Arkansas. This lineup at a couple offshore books. And Alabama is favored. Actually, it's down to a pick. So Alabama at Arkansas is now a pick. What do you make of this game, Tom? Any sort of play or any sort of lean? Yeah, I don't
3: think this is a great spot for Arkansas. I like this Arkansas team moving forward, but when Alabama plays teams that like to play fast, they've dominated this year. When you look at games, the first game against Arkansas, they won by 31 points, scored 90. You look at games against Auburn, where they scored 90. You look at games against LSU, 105, Uh, Georgia recently, 115. When you play fast with Alabama, you're playing their game, and I haven't seen anybody who can beat them at their game yet. So I think this is going to be a much more competitive game than the first time out, but I lean Alabama on the road.
2: Yeah, Alabama smoked them just like they were smoking everybody in the beginning of the conference play. One keynote to mention is Jordan Berner is back, the big for Alabama. Yale transfer, he came back against Vanderbilt over the weekend after suffering that knee injury against Kentucky, going back to around the beginning of conference play when Alabama started out hot. Nobody believed in them. And you know what? People uh, aren't too bullish on Alabama still because if you're looking at the betting market right now, Tom, the line just moved a little bit more to Arkansas minus one. So more money came in on the Hogs. My question is with Arkansas, similar to the first time these two teams played, can the Hogs defend the three? Because Arkansas has given up the fifth highest three-point scoring rate in conference play. Alabama shooting the highest three-point scoring rate, so that's where the majority of their points are coming from. And if you haven't watched too much Alabama basketball this year, they shoot a ton of threes with Quinterly and Petty and Shackelford and even Bruner, who's come back. Herb Jones, who's probably going to be SEC Player of the Year, of course, got to mention him. The one thing I will say, you mentioned that teams can't run up and down with Alabama like Arkansas might want to do. The one team that kind of played at Alabama's pace when they have had that SEC Big Twelve matchup against Oklahoma, those guards for Oklahoma pushed the floor, one of the better game rebounding teams in college basketball, and they made Alabama uncomfortable in transition. So if Arkansas tries to maybe slow it down a little bit and then speed you up, and they have a a big that could really dominate the glass in Justin Smith.
3: Yeah, I don't. I, I mean, I think Arkansas is a good team. They're playing well, uh, but. Again, it's the matchup for me. Uh, It's going to be a pass,
2: but it would be Alabama or nothing in terms of betting. I wonder, and we didn't really have to see this in the first matchup because Alabama blew him out. I'm curious to see if Nate Oates switches Herb Jones onto Moses Moody at some point during the game, maybe spurts during the game if that guy's hot, because... Herb Jones can guard one through five. So that would be a nice mismatch for Alabama. Again, SEC player of the year, most likely one of the best defensive players in college basketball. Quinterly got some more minutes against Vanderbilt, just a of note two for this tie team. I think he's going to be big for Alabama if they're going to make a run in March, a little bit of a defensive liability, but uh, still a really good shooter, former Villanova guard for that one season before he transferred over to Alabama. So yeah, I, I would lean... Uh, Similar to Utah, I would lean towards Alabama because of that three point shooting prowess. And that's Arkansas' biggest uh, defensive issue is defending threes. Uh, Moving along the card here, let's hit on Indiana at Rutgers. This line is sitting at Rutgers laying three at home with a total of 133.5 down the soft openers. Rutgers had a disastrous performance against Maryland on Sunday, up 9 4 in that game. Couldn't do anything offensively the rest of the way. And I know Maryland is playing some better basketball, but. That offense is so inconsistent, one of the better defensive teams in college basketball, but still can't do a lick on offense from for spurts of the game. And then Indiana coming off a brutal loss, uh, up by double digits against Michigan State in the second half, and, and falling apart down the stretch, losing that game by around six or seven points. Any shot you lay the points with Rutgers, any shot you take the points with Indiana, or is this a stay away for you?
3: This is a stay away game for me. Um, I don't see a big edge one way or the other. I thought Indiana losing to Michigan State at home was one of the worst losses of the year for any team. You really got to win that game against a down Michigan State squad when you're on the bubble. Uh, You know, I I would might give a slight lean to Indiana
2: here, but not enough for me to place a bet on the game. Yeah, I'm with you. I I don't trust Rutgers offense enough to take them. Well, at Rutgers defense, that's their biggest defensive liability is defending the interior. Even though you have guys like Omaruri and Miles Johnson, we saw Maryland attack the pain a ton in transition. And if Indiana is controlling the, the tempo in this game, they're going to try to speed Rutgers up. They're going to try to get to the rim with one of the most athletic bigs in college basketball in Trace Jackson Davis. So maybe a little value on Indiana considering how how piss poor Rutgers offense has been of late. I mean, Steve Peichel doesn't even put Geo Baker or any of the players. He was the only player in the po- or only person in the post game press conference. Tom, the reporter asked, uh, "Why aren't you allowing? Why don't you have your student athletes with you?" And he said, "I'm the only one that needs to talk," or something along those lines. He didn't want to put him in the post game press conference. So odd situation there at Rutgers. Maybe a, a sign of bad things to continue to come for this Scarlet Knights team. Uh, moving along on the card here, a game that I have a bet on is South Carolina at Mississippi State. This line is Mississippi State minus 5.5 at home. Now it's time for Tom to play his favorite game. Guess what Eli's betting in, South Carolina at Mississippi State. I'm going to take a shot here and
3: say it's Mississippi State. I mean, South Carolina plus the points.
2: <laughs> well, you'd be right. It is It is uh, the Cox getting 5.5 on the road at Mississippi State. Good matchup here. Kuznard, one of South Carolina's better guards, is expected to be back. With the ankle injury, Martin kind of hinted, hinted at it on Tuesday, said his uh, he's fully recovered and he's still questionable for the game. But I expect Kuznar to play in this one. And he's big for them defensively, especially with their ball pressure. If you go back to uh, some of their previous games where South Carolina has defended really well, they turn you over a lot. The third highest opponent's turnover rate in, in conference play. And Mississippi State is in the bottom half of the league in turnover percentage. So if South Carolina is able to speed them up, even though Mississippi State wants to run the floor in their own right, if South Carolina can turn them over and get on transition a lot with some of those guards and A.J. Lawson, I think South Carolina uh, keeps this thing within two possessions.
3: Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the turnovers. The I, I can see South Carolina giving them issues. Uh, Mississippi State has a younger backcourt. They play sloppy at times. I just don't know if I can bet the South Carolina team right now. It's been a long year. There's been a couple spots where I thought they might have hit in the last month and uh, they just haven't done it. So to me, this is again, this is South Carolina plus the
2: points are nothing. I wouldn't lay five and a half
3: with Mississippi state against
2: anybody. I'm with you there. How about a, a 10 line that also continues to move St. Bonaventure and Davidson. These two teams played on Sunday. Uh, the Dave Davidson, the Wildcats gave him a little bit of a run in the second half. That was a pretty competitive game actually for three fourths of it. But St. Bonaventure St. Bonaventure pulled away. Won that game by double digits. Now the now the line time on the soft opener is sitting at Davidson minus one, total of one thirty one.
3: Yeah, I texted you during this game, and I said I thought this might be a good spot for Davidson. You know, they had a layoff since January twenty fourth. One kind of scrimmage game against Southern Virginia in there. And I thought their legs kind of went out in the second half. You know, this is a if you don't know Davidson, they're kind of like a poor man's Virginia. They shoot a lot of threes. They play at a snail's pace. They shot 37 threes in that game on Sunday. They made 13 of them. But I thought their legs were really done uh, with about 10 minutes to go in the game. So I kind of like Davidson a little bit at home here uh, on the back to back. Think think they'll have a little bit more energy come this be their. Technically, their third game back, I know that one game doesn't really count, but a third game back to me is usually the one where you start to see the improvement. So I would lean, David. strong lean for me, Davidson at home.
2: Yeah, definitely going to give them a look myself too. They could challenge St. Bonaventure on the glass. This is a, a really good backcourt for St. Bonaventure with Lofton, one of the better major guards in college basketball. But I think Davidson can definitely keep this thing close. And you think about where you can expose St. Bonaventure, it's from beyond the arc giving up the second highest three-point scoring rate in A-10 play, so where the majority of your opponent's points are coming from, and Davidson uh, with the highest three-point scoring rate in A-10 play. So, like the Cats uh, laying the one, at least a lean there, kind of similar to uh, to Tom's point, and we'll see if we end up playing it. But for me, the only play on my card for Wednesday is South Carolina getting the five and a five-and-a-half. Uh, last game to hit on, Tom, for Wednesday is your Abilene Christian team against Sam Houston State at home, and I believe the – I believe Abilene Christian is favored by eight.
3: Yeah, I had this. Uh, Abilene Christian's got three losses this year, Texas Tech, Arkansas, and Sam Houston. Uh, I bet them when they played at Sam Houston, they were like minus five. I thought the matchup was really good. Uh, they, they're number one in the nation in a turnover percentage. They're number four in steals. And Sam Houston you know, turns the ball over quite a bit. Now they couldn't make a lot of shots that night. They lost 64-57. Uh, the game was close most of the way. But you look at that game, and the difference to me was Demarcus Lampley, who scored 30 points and made five of ten shots from three-point range. I mean, uh, he—it was really just—he—he was basically the the entire offense for Sam Houston that night. I don't see that happening here. I mean, Abilene Christian just mows mows teams over at home. You know, Stephen F. Austin is with these two, the the best team in that conference, and Christian beat them by 20 at home last month. They've been on a roll. I think this is a great not only revenge spot, but matchup. It didn't happen
2: the first time, but I think it's going to happen this time. Uh, Abilene Christian wins this game big. Guess what team I'm seeing in some uh, projected brackets Abilene Christian to play in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Um, Is it by any chance Iowa? It is Abilene Christian, Iowa a potential three versus 14 or four versus 13. That would be the all-time Tom Casale game to take in the first round.
3: Yeah, I mean, there's no chance it wins because I've had these in the tournament before. I mean, because I'll have double my amount of money on it. And I'll be sitting there, uh, Abilene Christian and be down by 20. Uh, I actually hope they don't play Iowa so I don't have to go through that pain because I kind of know what that story is going to be already. But you can goddamn bet your, your house that I'll have Abilene Christian in that matchup.
2: God damn bet your house. Really? That is the most, that is the most Tom escalated up to swearing and then backing off a little bit, but I do appreciate the attempt. So we've gone through some of the Wednesday college basketball card here. I like South Carolina. We both have a lean to Davidson, no play for us in Alabama, Arkansas, though we kind of lean to Bama a little bit, especially with the way the market's moving on that game, Indiana at Rutgers, no play for either of us. And then Tom likes our Abilene Christian at home against Sam Houston state. Let's go on to the Thursday college basketball card, Michigan at home against Iowa. And we just mentioned the Hawkeyes, right? Great transition because Iowa won at home against Penn State. They were down a couple of possessions in the second half, came back. Their, their defense did start to play better. I will say that that matchup zone, Penn State carved it up in the first half. And then Iowa, uh, Fran McCaffrey went back to a man-to-man and Penn State struggled to score and, and Iowa t- uh, took control and, one by a few possessions almost covered the closing line of around 10, 10 and a half. Is this a Michigan play for you, Tom? Oh yeah. It's a big one. The, we
3: didn't have a podcast back in the day, but my, the co- most confident I've been all year is when the Zags played Iowa back in December. Uh, I just thought Gonzaga was in a different class, you know, 99, 88. I mean, Iowa was in that game for a while, but it was just too much Zags. I see the same thing happening here. Uh, you know, I know it's not a great spot for Michigan coming off that emotional Ohio State game, but I I don't see much of a drop off here because Iowa's ranked so high. The and you know I, I just keep staring at this Ken Palm line. It's got it two. Uh, if this thing opens up at two, uh, you know that because that I live in New York. That sports book that's forty minutes away. I might have to drive there to put more money on this one because I love Michigan at two.
2: I thought you were going to say you're going to bet your house on it.
3: I I usually save the house for tournament games. You know, you don't you don't want to risk anything that high unless it was, unless it's March Madness. But this is a, I, I just think Michigan's front line is going to dominate. I think Iowa's front line gets so overrated. The the Zag showed that, and I think Michigan to me has arguably the best front line in college basketball. I think they dominate.
2: Yeah, no, I'm with you. You could throw Dickinson at Garza. You could throw Austin Davis off the bench. I mean, we saw Austin Davis come up big. Down the stretch, Shaundi Brown had a couple big possessions against C.J. Walker, the Michigan transfer down the stretch where he turned over the Ohio State point guard and also just a bizarre turnover for Ohio State where Liddell didn't turn around and Levers had the add one at the other end. But man, Davis, like Juwan Howard means so much from a lot of different aspects and especially with their post work um, and their footing down low offensively, but defensively too, man. Like Davis has improved so much at that end of the floor. You could throw Brandon Johns at Garza if you want to. And of course, I mentioned Dickinson, one of the best bigs in college basketball, both ends of the floor. So I'm I'm with you. I think Michigan's front line gives them a big advantage in this game. You slow down Garza, and then on top of that, Michigan with a in the better half of the Big Ten in opponent's three point percentage and opponent's three point scoring rate. And that's what Iowa wants to do. They're number one in the conference in three-point shooting, and number two, in three-point scoring rate. If Michigan's perimeter defense shows up, Michigan controls the tempo, and they probably blow Iowa out.
3: Yeah, I agree. Uh, The only way Michigan doesn't win this game is if they have a complete lag off the Ohio State win, but I I think they'll be there, and I think they win rather
2: comfortably. All right, we'll both be on Michigan. Moving along down here on the uh, Thursday college basketball card, a huge game. In the Pac-12, USC at Colorado. USC coming off that big win over Oregon on Monday. I was on the wrong side of that game. Oregon talking about teams coming off flat. They did not defend in the first, let's say, three or four minutes. Edie hit a couple big threes, actually hit three straight threes. USC blew out Oregon. It was a 10-point game with six minutes left where I thought Oregon can get the backdoor cover. But USC played really well. Their, their front line dominated Oregon, especially in the first half. Now they go to Colorado and Colorado won this game. I think it was on New Year's Eve actually as around a, a maybe a one and a half two and a half point dog. But the buffs, according to Kempom, are favored by one. Would you consider back in Colorado or are you staying away or are you back in USC? I'm probably gonna stay away. I mean I liked Colorado
3: last week in this spot. And I didn't love your Oregon play only because USC is coming off the Arizona loss. I I hate that they lost to Arizona. I mean, I know you had Arizona uh, on Saturday, too, plus the points. I was hoping USC would win by two or three because I didn't want them coming off a loss heading into Oregon and Colorado. But, I mean, they really manhandled Oregon. I I give a slight lean to Colorado here, but they they got them earlier in the season. Uh, USC is probably better than I've been giving them credit for. Uh, Again, the Pac-12 is not the conference. I'm really uh, focused in on the most out of of all the other conferences. But slight lean to Colorado, not enough for
2: me to play the game. I'm with you. And the reason why I was on Oregon, and you're right, maybe it wasn't the best spot in the world, but their press and their their 2-3 matchup zone – I thought was going to give USC a lot of issues. Uh, Trojans just hit a lot of shots. So, and and you look at this Colorado team, they, they don't defend like that. They give up a lot of points inside. That's what the zone for Oregon is meant to stop is, is uh, getting the ball down low, but Colorado gives up the third highest two point scoring rate. That's what the Mobley brothers want to do. And actually, yeah, Isaiah Mobley was out for that game against Oregon and, and uh, USC still blew out the ducks. So yeah, I'm not, I'm staying away from this game. Maybe it's a good spot play for Colorado with a little bit of motivation on their side, but I don't expect this Buffs defense to be able to slow down uh, Evan Mobley, who's one of the best freshmen in college basketball enough. Yeah, agree. Uh, I'll probably just sit back and watch this one. All right, on to another big game in the Pac-12, actually. Uh, You're Stanford Cardinal because we were talking them up, and I guess they're mine too at this point. We were talking them up on uh, Saturday's podcast as a potential dark horse team of the tournament then they lose outright to Washington state on the road, a team that lost Isaac Bonton. It seems like from the, for the year after what he tweeted out uh, earlier in the week or over the weekend. So this line on Kempom is sitting at uh, Stanford minus one at home against the Oregon ducks. Is this a bounce back spot for Oregon? Do you think, or is this a bounce back spot for Stanford? I guess you throw that out the window and what do you make of the game? Yeah, I'm kind of off
3: Stanford. That's, that's kind of like your Rutgers, uh, pick you know the uh, I, I kept waiting for Stanford to turn the corner but you can't you you can't go and lose a game to, to Washington State after you've won a couple in a row and you they had won a four or five uh, I I don't know to me now that Oregon got thumped against USC I think this is actually sets up as a better spot for Oregon I think they're the better team and like you said they came out kind of flat in that game I expect a much better effort on Thursday
2: I'd lean Oregon on the road This Ducks team has a similar making of a Dana Ullman team that can make a run in March. I mentioned that press. It gives teams so many issues in the NCAA tournament. But a couple uh, notes that favor Oregon in this game. USC giving up, or Stanford giving up, the second highest three-point scoring rate in Pac-12 play. That's where Oregon scores a lot of their points, is from three. And it just didn't happen against USC because they weren't able to turn them over. They weren't able to get stops. And they weren't able to get out in transition. But with Figueroa and Will Richardson and Chris Duarte, should be able to get their fair share of three-point looks. And then Stanford actually turning the ball over at a bottom two rate in Pac-12 play. Oregon turns you over at the highest rate in Pac-12 play. Uh, While they have the two-week COVID layoff and the market might adjust a little bit going into this game after losing to USC outright, I would lean towards Oregon. Might be a play for me, but just a lean for right now.
3: Yeah, and one thing to note is that for Oregon, Eric Williams came back recently, one of their leading scorers. So I, I think, you know, now now that he's been in there a little bit, you're going to see that that's what I was kind of waiting for here for Oregon to make their run. And again, they got blown out on Monday, but I, I like this team long-term, and I think they get it done at Stanford.
2: Another big game, fourth of them. We got a lot of them. Ohio State at Michigan State. Can't really hit on that game. Eddie, 30 seconds or less, Tom, I guess, going back to the Big Ten. Kempa makes this line, Ohio State on the road at Michigan State by seven. I guess we need to see what happens with Michigan State and Illinois tonight, but any shot you bet this game or stay away? Uh, that's probably a stay away. Uh, Michigan State might be in trouble there. One last Pac 12 game here, 30 seconds or less, because I feel like it won't be a play for you. But if you want to get a, a quick thought in, UCLA at Utah. Uh, UCLA won this game late in December at the beginning of Pac-12 play for the Bruins and for uh, Utah. Uh, Kemba makes this line UCLA by one on the road.
3: I thought Utah was going to be a little bit better this year. The uh, They were one of my sleeper teams in the Pac-12. It hasn't really come together. You look, they they lost three straight, but they played four straight on the road. So they lost the last three to Stanford, to Oregon State, and they lost a tough one um, at Oregon on Saturday. I think they come home. They upset UCLA. Uh, I'm not going to bet it, but I lean to a Utah win.
2: Yeah, no, I'm with you on Utah, too. Might be a play, but I, I have a stronger lean to Oregon and might actually end up playing the Ducks. But we'll see what that line opens up at. If we could somehow get two with Oregon, maybe the market's a little bit down after that USC win. And and hey, I, I was a, l- a little down on USC overall after what I saw against Arizona, but they bounced back. Taj Eady, one of the better point guards, most underrated point guards in the country could make some noise in the NCAA tournament, especially after whatever, or especially because of what Evan Mobley can do in the front court and his brother Isaiah Mobley, too. Uh last game to hit on, on Thursday, Tom, is Boise State at San Diego State. A huge game in the Mountain West after Boise State swept uh Utah State this past week. And the the conference standings, uh Boise State is 14 and three. In deep in the Mountain um, West, and San Diego State is eleven and three, tied with Colorado State as well. Uh, but San Diego State just a half game back in the win loss record overall this season.
3: Yeah, I think the line's going to be a little bit too high for me uh, on Thursday. Looks like uh, Ken Palm has this at seven. I, I don't want to lay seven in this game. I do lean San Diego State. I might hit it Saturday when they when they play the second leg. We'll see what happens on Thursday, but. Uh, I, Seven too much for me to lay with two good teams in the same conference.
2: Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I, it's tough to trust Boise State even after what they've done so far. And maybe the market's a little too high in San Diego State. If they if they do open up at seven, I mean, look at who they played of late. Fresno State, San Jose State, Wyoming, Air Force. But you look at this game and the keys to Boise State covering this number and potentially winning outright. Ray J. Dennis has to play well, can't turn the ball over. Uh, same thing with Marcus Shaver, and especially the same thing with Derek Alston. I know he played really well down the stretch in both of those Utah State games, but it's tr- tough to trust his handle a little, a little bit, especially with a team that's going to press you more and is going to try to create turnovers more. I mean, you look at San Diego State, they're number one in the Mountain West in opponents turnover percentage, and I know Boise State is number one in offensive turnover rates, so the lowest turnover rate overall in uh, the Mountain West, but... I just have a feeling that San Diego State's going to be able to turn them over. Like you said, maybe it's a, a, maybe we get a better line uh, on on the second leg of this uh, th- uh, two games and three nights for both of these teams. But I'm kind of high on San Diego State right now, man. I think they can make a, a little bit of a run in March. They're going to have Mensa healthy, which they weren't going to get last year uh, in the NCAA tournament if it was played. You don't have Malachi Flynn, obviously, but Matt Mitchell is one of the more underrated wings and threes, and can even play the four in college basketball. I love their shooters, too, with Jordan Shackle and Trey Pulliam. Terrell Gomez has come up big this year. I kind of like this team to make, you know, they're going to be on that 8-9 line. And if we get, if let's say they get through that first game, and they play Ohio State in the first round, uh, which maybe they wouldn't put that strong of an 8-9 if San Diego State finishes there against a one, but let's just say it happens, I would be all over San Diego State.
3: Yeah, and one of the things about them, too, they're one of the most experienced teams in the country. So those are things I'm looking for late in this year. You're looking at a team that's playing well. Like you said, they haven't played anybody, but still they're racking up wins after the loss two two in a row to Utah State. And then they're going to enter the tournament, experienced team, playing well. I agree. That's the type of team you don't want to see in the second round on that that 8-9 line if they get through. They can cause a lot of problems.
2: Last couple of notes. Before we get to Jordan Sperber, our, our guest here on today's Beck ULU. Purdue at Penn State, Friday, college basketball, Richmond at St. Louis. Either of those games stand out to you. Also, Nevada at Utah State. Any potential plays for you on the Friday card? I don't see much I like on
3: Friday. You know, the Richmond-St. Louis is kind of the, that was going to be the game of the year in the, in the A-10, I, I thought. I, I like both those teams a lot coming into the season uh hasn't really happened for them. Uh a lot of a lot of covid layoffs uh, both of them probably going to have to win the tournament now to get in. So we'll see what happens there. Um yeah, I'd rather die than bet Purdue and Penn State to be honest with you. So nothing big for me on on Friday. I'll be working on the Patriot League Saturday matchups when those games are going on.
2: Tom's two kids sleeping. You could picture this shot in your head. His wife is like, Why the fuck are you still up? And I'm like, Well, or he's like, Well, you know, got to cap some Patriot League basketball, getting ready for back QLU on a Saturday. I I, I kind of lean to Penn State at home. Uh, they play Nebraska tonight on Tuesday. So we'll see. I'm assuming they're going to bounce back after Nebraska went into uh, Happy Valley and won that game outright as 12 and a half point dogs might have closed at around 10 and a half, 11. But assuming Penn State is able to get one win, I kind of like them against Purdue. I think they match up well against the Boilermakers. We're coming off a COVID layoff in that in that first matchup. But no play for me right now. Uh, St. Louis has a big, big game against uh, VCU tonight on the road. And one of VCU's better guards, Highland, is out. So assuming St. Louis wins that game, they get Richmond at home. A big game in the A-10. Any quick thoughts on that game?
3: No, I I don't really have a, really have a strong lean. The just feel like both those teams aren't what they were supposed to be this season. I don't have a good feel for either one. Uh, I mean, the team, team, I think if you're looking for the A-10 tournament, uh, it'd be Dayton. I think, you know, the starting to play better. uh, If you look at a team that could surprise and make a run in that A-10 tournament, I'd put my money on Dayton.
2: Yeah, no, I'm with you. Jalen Crutcher is, a really good guard, and we've kind of we haven't seen him take that step, or at least as big of a step as I thought was going to happen after they lost to Obi Toppin. But they got back a, a really big piece going back to I think it was a week ago in that Rhode Island double overtime loss that the biggest sweat of my life it felt like. Ronnie Chapman came back for that game, so they're getting their pieces back. A B Watson. Has been a really solid floor spacer for them the last couple of years. I, I kind of like your uh, your thought process there. I lo- was looking at some of the some of the A10 odds to win the conference tournament. St. Louis the favorite at plus one eighty. Uh, but yeah, Dayton might have some value. Kind of a good luck there by you, Tom. St. Louis is the favorite. Yeah,
3: I, I don't agree with that, and I have a futures bet on St. Louis. I, that that overvalued. No, nope, I, I don't
2: see it happening. <laughs> that is Tom's way of saying fuck no. I'm shutting this thing down. Uh, he won't be shutting our next guest down, Hopefully. Jordan Sperber, one of the best college basketball analysts around. He'll be joining us from Hoops Vision Plus coming up next on BetQLU.
0: It's time to start placing smarter bets, more profitable bets. If you're an experienced sports better or someone who's just starting out, BetQL is here to help us all become better bettors. BetQL runs hundreds of thousands of simulations and rates each potential bet on a scale of one to five stars. One star? Maybe skip that game. Five stars? That's like a big green light telling you to go. Look, you wouldn't torture your stomach with a one-star restaurant. Don't do it to your wallet. Get access to data and insights the sportsbooks don't want you to see. We're talking about real, proven analytics here. Not some hot takes from a random guy online. BetQL's computer model analyzes every bet every day to find you the best opportunities. Pro and college games, football, basketball, and more. You can sort by sport or choose from a list of the best bets available right now in real time. So before sitting down to watch your favorite sports, see if the data backs up your betting instincts. Bet smarter and be the books with BetQL. Download the BetQL app or visit BetQL.com
2: today. So we've talked about the Wednesday games. We've talked about some of the Thursday and Friday games on the college basketball card this week. Now it's time to bring on one of the best college basketball analysts in the college basketball space. His name is Jordan Sperber. You can follow him on Twitter at Hoop Vision68. He worked with the Nevada and New Mexico men's basketball programs. You can also subscribe to his Hoops Vision Plus Premium Newsletter, which is one of the best college basketball breakdowns that you'll possibly find uh, if you're looking to learn more about college basketball. What's going on today, Jordan?
1: Not too much. Thank you for having me, Eli and Tom. I I appreciate it.
2: Of course. So first question we have to ask you, because this is a sports betting podcast, have you ever gambled before and any stories behind it?
1: Yeah, so... I have legitimately never placed a bet. And I feel like that's something that a lot of... So I was in coaching, you know, and and that's something that a lot of coaches have to say, whether it's true or not. And I'm not even... I'm not talking about betting on your own games, but, like, as I I feel like as a coach, you're literally not... Like, you shouldn't be playing fantasy football even, technically, you know, according to, like, NCAA rules. Um, But, yeah, I've never placed an actual wager, but have always been very interested and as and if you're analyzing a sport regardless of if you're putting money down or if your content is gambling based i mean the line is important in, in kind of factoring in your opinion and and how far off or or correct you are about things so i think it's been a part of my coverage back when i first started hoop vision um that was it was mostly gamblers it's not that anymore it's it's kind of grown from there but that was that was the initial the initial push that I got like back in in college
3: well Jordan you don't have to bet on games to know that Baylor Gonzaga and Michigan are all good so a lot for much of the year we've kind of had the Zags and Baylor up by themselves but Michigan an impressive performance on Sunday with a win at Ohio State do you put Michigan in their class and do you believe they could beat either one of those two teams in the tournament
1: yeah, so I guess to me those are two separate questions. The 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 second one's easy. They they can definitely beat Gonzaga or Baylor or any team for that matter. I don't know what they'd be like, thirty five, forty percent or something like that against against Baylor and Gonzaga on a neutral. Um, I I don't put them in the in the same tier. That's right now what the efficiency ratings kind of show. Um, power ratings, efficiency ratings, whatever you want to call it. Um, Gonzaga and Baylor have both been beating teams by more for the majority of the year. Um, I actually, literally before this call, just got done watching. I've now watched every single made basket in Big Ten play for Michigan. And I still don't think I would put them in that tier uh, with, with Gonzaga and Baylor. Yeah, I kind of defer to the efficiency ratings. And then, you know, sometimes I'll have some uh, 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 opinions, but my eye kind of matches what, what like Kempom is saying.
2: How much film do you watch per week?
1: Ah, uh, man. In, well, I it really, I was about to say in season versus out of season. Uh, it, it doesn't really <laughs> matter for me. I, I'm watching quite a bit and I'm like to a fault. I'll know that I have enough clips to make a newsletter, a video or whatever it is, but I just sometimes cannot stop watching to make sure I'm not missing anything. Um, so it's a lot like I've been, I've been putting out a new video every Friday, Michigan's going to be this Friday and basically Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Halfway through Wednesday, I switch over from just watching film to like, okay, now we have to actually edit and make a video. So it's like three or four full days of that team.
2: It's incredible. I couldn't watch that much film, but I give you credit <laughs> for doing it. So you mentioned some of the positives and negatives with with Michigan. What concerns you, and what do you highlight from a positive standpoint with this team offensively and defensively?
1: Yeah, well, I've been focusing on the offensive end, which the the positives are our ball movement and spacing they they run a lot of really good stuff they all five guys besides from the big man dickinson you know it's a very well balanced team they share it really really well a point that i've made about them that i think is interesting is they don't shoot a lot of threes so like scheme wise and spacing wise they profile like villanova like a, a four-out Villanova team that moves the ball, runs great stuff, but they don't shoot nearly as many threes as as a, as a team like Villanova. And it's mostly because they're looking to drive off of the catch. Like Wagner does it quite a bit. Um, and it, so it's a little bit of a weird dynamic there uh, where I, I, that's, that's something that I'm interested in is how some of these better defensive teams, because the Big Ten's, the best league in the country but it's a pretty offensive heavy league you know starting with ohio state that game this weekend um and so I'm, I'm curious to to see how how a baylor or or some of these teams decide to guard them i, I do you know i think that they're they're definitely the third best team you know it's not like i'm, I'm not down on michigan um, but i think that gonzaga and baylor are, are really really good
3: Jordan, is there a team maybe a little bit further down the trough there, like an Oklahoma, Florida State, Houston, someone like that, that you feel can contend with these big boys come March Madness?
1: Yeah, I I think the 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 next three teams in the Big Ten, Iowa, who actually plays Michigan on, on Thursday, Illinois and Ohio State are all right there. I'm a little skeptical of the SEC. Um, obviously Alabama has been playing really well, um, in the sec. And I, I thought that Villanova and Creighton were going to be a little bit better than they have been so far this year. Uh, you mentioned Houston and they just lost to Wichita state. Um, uh, I think two games ago. Um, but they, no one wants to play them. Uh, they're, they're super physical. The number one offensive rebounding team in the country. Uh, I think a lot- a lot of those teams I just mentioned are pretty clumped together, like I don't have strong opinions either way um but overall, I think that like the top ten in college basketball is pretty strong this year relative to to other seasons.
2: You mentioned the s e c Alabama a futures ticket that Tom and I both got on in the off season around eighty or ninety to one now they're twenty twenty five to one depending on what book you're using. The SEC is having such a down year, like you mentioned. So for me, even though Alabama is playing such good basketball, they're second on Kempom and adjusted defensive efficiency. I still worry about such a high variance team in March. What makes this team different defensively in comparison to past Alabama teams or, or past teams that run and gun, but don't defend. And can this team make a run in March?
1: Yeah. So you mentioned that they're second in, in Kempom adjusted defensive efficiency in my Newsletter this week, they're second in, in offensive pace too. So as it's been well reported, they play extremely fast. And so that combination of how fast they're playing and their defensive efficiency, actually Gonzaga is doing it this year. Gonzaga is one of the fastest teams as well. And their defensive numbers all of a sudden look really good. Um, But so if you put Gonzaga and Alabama numbers up with any team, Kempom has, uh, Offensive pace going back to 2010, the 2010 season, they're the only only two teams that have ever played this fast and been this good defensively. North Carolina, obviously Roy Williams plays real fast with the Carolina break, their secondary stuff that they run. And they they just missed what Alabama and Gonzaga are doing about three times. They've never quite matched it. Uh, As far as the defense, specifically for, for Alabama, I read a quote by by Nate Oates I wish I um I wish I had it but it was a funny one he was like he didn't expect to be this good defensively I can't remember what he said their specific goal was but it was I mean they're way overachieving whatever their defensive goal was and like that's kind of a red flag to me a a little bit that if if their own if your own coach is surprised like the 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 other thing that points to some luck in Alabama's defense is is the three point shooting. So opponents are shooting twenty nine percent from three against Alabama this season. And all the research on opponent on uh, three point defense is that a, a large, not all, but a, a, a high proportion of that is just random variation. Uh, and so if that when that reverts back to the mean, you know I don't think that that Alabama is necessarily the second best defense in the country like they've played so far to that level so far this year. But I do think that they're a really good defense. Um, but those two things have me a little bit skeptical on them. NATO has been, been uh, shot and and the three-point variance.
3: Talk about a couple teams, at least in my eyes, have been kind of disappointing this year, Wisconsin and Texas Tech. What do you think's wrong with these teams, if there is anything wrong? And can they fix that come tournament time? Mm,
1: yeah, I I watched Wisconsin a couple times early in the season, and I and I loved them. I I uh, have been surprised at how shaky they've been in in Big Ten play, um, and yeah, I mean they're just they, they don't look very good recently. Especially again, you know they got blown out by Iowa. I just watched them against Michigan. I was I was watching mostly for Michigan, but that game was an, was an absolute blowout. Uh, I mean, they schematically, both those teams, Wisconsin and uh, Texas Tech, you kind of know what you're getting on a year in and year out basis with with Chris Beard and Greg guard teams. They're very similar um, from season to season and even Wisconsin personnel wise. I mean, everyone's back from from last year's team that I think won the Big Ten. Uh, Texas Tech. Is interesting because they they didn't even have a very good record in Big Twelve play last year. I, I was looking at it today; they lost their last four games in in Big Twelve play, and they're six and seven this year. Um, I I don't think that they've had nearly as good of talent as that team that went to the Final Four, and I think that the coaching staff has generally overachieved with 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 what they have. They they are really good um you know Chris Beard as a defensive coach is is one of the best in the country with their no middle defense um but it's it seems like they've set the bar kind of unreasonably high given what their roster looks like they specifically have have re- they just haven't had a rim protector or, or a lot of size like they did with Tariq Owens and uh Odiasse when they went to the final 4. Yeah, so I I feel like the staff has almost set the bar a little bit too high based on what their rosters have been the last 2 years.
2: I'm with you, man. Like you go back to that o- Odiasse and and Tariq Owens front court, even though those guys were athletic around the rim, they could also switch at every position. Yep. And McClunk is such a liability. Defensively right now. We've seen it the last two games against Kansas and against Oklahoma State, especially on Saturday, where Texas Tech cuts the Kansas lead to three, and then McClung doesn't switch out to Christian Brown on that three. So it's incredible because Beard has recruited these guys back-to-back years. He's recruited a a five-star going back to last season who didn't play any defense. And now this year with McClung,
1: yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's he's still Texas Tech is still way outperforming like their school's history in terms of efficiency rating this year. So it's like, I mean, it's hard to it's hard to knock it too much considering it's a bottom tier job in the Big Twelve theoretically. Um, but yeah, I mean, you go to an elite eight and you go to a Final Four, and th- then no one cares anymore that it is a bottom tier. It- your job in the big 12 so there is some of that going on
3: is jordan is is there a mid-major team uh like a loyola chicago or someone that you think can make a run in the tournament
1: yeah so loyola chicago was was my team last week that i put out a video on youtube if you type in loyola chicago basketball it should pop right up there uh if the youtube algorithm is doing me right um but yeah, they're, they're number one in the country right now in adjusted defensive efficiency on Kempom. Uh, and so that was what I was, that was my, my video idea last week was let's look at the defense and, and, um, see really how they're doing that. And then also, if I think that that's, that's legit. Uh, and they've just crushed the Missouri Valley. I think the year they went to the final four, if I have the numbers right, they gave up 0.95 uh, points per possession on defense that year. And this year in the Valley and this year against, you know, the same basic competition, the Valley might be a little bit weaker this year, but not much. They're giving up 0.85, um, which is is significant um, and I think if you compare the rosters to, to those two teams, they are probably a little bit more talented defensively. They're they're bigger, longer. Um, Lucas Williamson is, I think, one of the best defensive players in the country. Uh, but the thing that jumps out with them is uh, their they're, they're big, they're big guy, Cam Crutwig, who is an All-American type candidate. He's really good offensively. He's not at all what you would expect to be the center, the five man of a really, really good defense. He's very smart. He's got good hands uh, and he's like ahead of the play, but he's super limited athletically. He's not a rim protector. And so, I mean, it's it's tough to say. They, they played Wisconsin, who we already talked about, and they did not look good in, in the Wisconsin game, but I, I'd love to see them a little bit more against high level competition. I, I do think I don't know. It depends if you consider Houston a mid-major, but in terms of the traditional uh, mid-major conferences, I do probably think that Loyola Chicago is the best team. Uh, But I wrote about this in my newsletter. I could go either way with it. I could. They're they're super well coached. They're veteran. They're just going to come out and jump on a young, inexperienced high major team in the NCAA tournament, or. You know, they aren't as talented as some of these teams. They're a little bit slower with foot speed wise, and they'll come out and put, a, put up a dud in the NCAA tournament. I could kind of see it either way, uh, but I do find them really fun to watch,
2: Loyola Chicago. And they're actually slotted to play in a bunch of different bracketology selections, San Diego State, in a potential 8-9 matchup. So that'll be a lot of fun to watch. One other mid-major team I want to ask you about, though, Jordan, is Boise State, a mm-hmm. future spot that I made going back to the offseason. I know Tom has some action on them too, getting them around 300, 500 to one, even higher at other books. Now they're down to a hundred to one. Derek Alston's improvement is obviously well-known. The guy's going to be a pro. Can Boise State make a run though with this type of a roster? What have you seen from them in conference play in the latter uh, part of conference play that's impressed you or maybe a little concerning, kind of like Michigan, that's not a a big concern, but maybe wouldn't lead to them making a tournament run
1: yeah, I, I mean, I generally like all four of those Mountain West teams: um, San Diego State, Boise State, Utah State, and Colorado State. I would, I don't think that all four of them will will get in, um, but I but they're they're all pretty fun watches, and I think you know good enough to, to get in there. Uh, yeah, I mean, they uh, they're they're right now they're second in the mountain West in, in offensive offense points per possession and third in defensive points per possession. And generally speaking, Leon Rice teams, who he was a a longtime assistant for, for Mark Fuick and Zaga, um, you know, defense tends to, to be more of the Achilles heel. When when I was at Nevada, we played them. I think they whooped us pretty good at Boise (laughs) when I was at Nevada. Um, And you know, that, that would be the, the, uh, the thing to watch for You know, if they make the NCAA tournament, um, can they get stops? It's, it's an example, another example of a team that really did not play high major competition this year because of COVID and the, the change in non-conference scheduling. And it is really hard to evaluate those teams, I think. Um, But, but it will, it's nice to have these two late game, back-to-back, or they're not back-to-backs, but but series against San Diego State. Um, and I, I do think that they're both quality teams.
2: That's Jordan Sperber. You can follow him on Twitter at HoopVision68. And you can also subscribe to his Hoops Vision Premium uh, newsletter. Go check that out. And also go check out his YouTube channel, one of the best college basketball analysts around. And he's getting some well-deserved recognition across Twitter right now. So really appreciate the time. Jordan breaking down everything college basketball and want to have you back on sometime soon.
1: Thanks for having me, Eli. Thanks Tom. Take care.
2: So Tom, was this a, the most annoying podcast recording of your life or B the most annoying podcast recording of your life?
3: Um, It was C in the middle of it. I was thinking about, I'm never going to do this again. That's how, <laughs> that's how annoying it was. Uh, I mean, 40 minutes in just imagine Uh 40 minutes in I'm in the middle. I mean, I'm really in the middle of a great Abilene Christian take and all of a sudden, boom, we're out. So, uh, we rebounded. Uh, hopefully it came out okay, and we'll see everybody on Saturday for the live show and uh, plenty of big picks and another – look looks like we got another good shot here in the uh, Patriot League for a, for a nice hit.
2: Sound like an 80-year-old man talking up that Patriot League game, but I appreciate it. That is Tom Casale at the Kasali on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Eli Herskovich. Follow BeckQL on Twitter at BeckQL app. Like Tom said, we'll be back. On Facebook and Twitter Live on Saturday's BeckQLU, presented by BeckQL.
0: Presented by T Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.